0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is...
1: Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason.
0: Hey, everyone, it's nice to be back after our vacation. Not that the beach wasn't beautiful, Um, but we did miss interacting a little bit more with you guys and talking about games, so we're back.
1: Yeah, we'll try to keep the vacations to a minimum.
0: (laughs) Yes. Although school started back for our kids, so... Um, Our normal level of chaos has resumed (laughs) around here. That's true. Well, during the day, it's quiet. That's true, although we've got our own stuff to do. I start teaching classes next week, which is another level of chaos, so I'm trying to put my syllabi together, and I've forgotten. I'm actually getting to teach in person again, um, which is awesome, but I've forgotten a lot of things that I used to do (laughs) when I was in the classroom so, we are prepping for that.
1: I mean, I'm still sitting in the same spot right in my desk at home. So, that's nice.
0: All right. So, I've been a bit behind on the news since we've been on vacation. So, some stuff may have slipped by me, but I've got some really great Kickstarters to talk about today. So, if we can move on from our zany banter, which is very limited, um, let's talk about some Kickstarter news. <laughs> Um, uh, the first one I want to talk about is actually a standalone sequel to a game that already exists. And that game is Almanac, the Crystal Peaks. Um, this is by Colossal Games. Scott Alms is a designer. The first one is um, Almanac, Dragon the Dragon Road, Dragon Road. I was like Dragon City, what is it? Dragon Road. Um, and so this one just seems like they've kind of, Created a new, new world for you, and that's what is so cool about this game and the first one. So, um, the game is a worker placement game, but it has some really um, unique ways to play worker placement because you're basically playing through a book. So, the idea of an almanac—you're playing through this almanac, and so you will turn to a page. And you play through the page, and each page will have different worker placement spots. It can kind of limit different things that you can do. Um, this particular one is has like a travel theme, so you're traveling a path, and you're going to see which town you're going to go in these different rounds as you're working your way through it. Um, it's really cool. You got these caravan cards, you got contract cards, you've got encounter cards that come up based on different things that you do, and the different places that you're going. Um, it just is a, such a neat idea to work through a book, and then you're playing your workers onto it. And so they're able to kind of change up the rules to change up how the game flows. Um, without, you know, putting in 25 boards or making you buy a billion games, um, you can just work through this almanac. Uh, it seems really neat. Uh, Jason, and I almost bought the Dragon Road one when we saw it at our local um, game store because it just looked super cool. Um, so if that idea intrigues you, if you like Worker Placement and a, a new twist on it and kind of a traveling twist, check out Omanac Crystal Peaks. Um, there's four days left on the Kickstarter, so it's almost done. And it's $49 if you just want this new installment.
1: Yeah, this game looks super cool. Uh, I'm actually really considering backing this one because... The Dragon Road just looks really good, and this looks like more of the same. I just, I think the mechanism of you turn a different page, you still are playing a worker placement game, but you have different rules for every page based on the location and stuff. Super cool. It's not the deepest game in the world, I don't think, but it just looks fun. You're
0: gonna go all in because you can also get the first one in this Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, it's eighty bucks. I, I, don't know that. That's just a lot. That's a lot to drop. I don't know. I, for I'm two pondering it.
0: Whole I, games.
1: Yeah, I, I hearted the Kickstarter just so, you know, when it comes out to 24 hours, I can make up my mind.
0: Okay, but what I really want you to do is get the upgrade add-on for the 120 wooden resource tokens, because they're really cool.
1: Uh, I probably won't do that. Boo.
0: Okay. Yeah, it definitely looks cool. Um, I love worker placement, so it, it does look awesome. The next one is gameplay that I really don't like. <laughs> but it looks cool, and if I was not if i was more inclined to spatial manipulation this would be an awesome game and that game is called cartouche this is by bluebeard entertainment um and cartouche is where you are taking these tiles i think it's like the theme is like hap um
1: egypt right yeah
0: hatshepsut so you're he was uh one of egypt's greatest pharaohs and her and she you're like helping restore her image and name and whatever um so you're going through trying to restore her legacy so you're laying these tiles and the cool thing about so it can also play solo it takes 20 minutes per player the cool thing about it is you're not just like you're drafting tiles and you're also drafting different types of cards for achievements and then you start laying things and it's not just oh you get points for laying your tiles in specific ways When you lay tiles by, because on your player card, there's also animals and different things. When you lay things by them, you get tokens. So then there are some cards where you can get points by laying the right amount, the right types of tokens on them. So that kind of determines, oh, I want to lay some of my tiles here because I want these tokens. But there also are some other Cards that you get points for by having like a continuous group of animal tiles, like adjacent to things. So then you're like, oh, I want to lay these here by these other things so I can get this like group score. And then there are other places where you get cards by enclosing icons, either with like the edges of the board or within your tiles. So it's both what you cover up and what you don't, and what you're like leaving open and enclosing. That is really cool. And then there are also these achievement cards that you can complete as well. And then like you get like these, you have these onks that you can use um, to like get bonuses from. It it looks really cool, except it's all these different shaped tiles and you know I can't handle that. (laughs) But that idea of, it's not just, oh, I'm gonna lay tiles down so I have to make the best arrangement it's, oh, not only do I want these in this arrangement, maybe I want to leave this certain area open, or I want to enclose this other area. So there's lots of different ways to score points. Um, and at the end of the, I forget, seven rounds or something, I can't remember exactly how many rounds, then whoever gets the most points wins. And I love that there's different ways, you know me, multiplies to victory. And plus, it's about trying to reclaim um, the legacy of a successful female pharaoh, which I think is awesome, too. So if you are better at spatial manipulation than me, or you like ancient Egyptian theme, which I do, check out Cartouche. There's seven days left, and it's 39 bucks for the base pledge.
1: Yeah, I looked at some of this. It seemed all right. I, not, I don't think it's really my jam. The more I play polyomino games, the more I, I don't really like it.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know. Like just
1: just gi- Just give me a square tile. A square tile is sufficient. I can spin it how I want to. That's fine for me.
0: Yeah, but you can't like enclose different things on this random board.
1: Well, that's true. I mean, I can still just use a square tile and cover up some things, though.
0: Okay, fine. Then cartouche is not for you.
1: Yeah, I, it's just not for me. It, it does look nice, though. I, I agree, the
0: art is nice. It's also not for me either because <laughs> I can't figure out how to move tiles around to save my life. The last one is my type of game and definitely a mechanic that I love. It is a trick-taking game and I love me some trick-taking games. Um and this game is called Bug Council of Backyardia.
1: That's hilarious. <laughs>
0: I know. Well, and my when my correspondent in the field sent me this and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'd probably back this one." I was like, "Are you freaking serious? This sounds really stupid." I should have trusted him cuz the man knows what's up. He is he has great judgment. And I'm sorry I doubted you Mike, but I looked this looks really fun. So the the joking theme behind it is the bug council convenes, they're going to discuss how to ruin picnics and, you know, like income tax reform and stuff. Um, and so there's like this council of bugs and the bugs, there are, I think, five different types of bugs. And or maybe four, uh, maybe five, I can't quite tell. Um, but this, there's a hierarchy in the council of bugs. And actually, these different bugs represent the different suits of the cards. And you're playing 10 rounds it's like, no, it's you're playing three ages. Each age consists of 10 tricks. So I like when they're short too. And so in a turn, um, first player leads a card from their hand. And so that's kind of the lead suit. And so you're going to follow suit. Obviously, if you don't have one that matches, um, you're going to play off. So the, the strongest card, the highest valued card, of the strongest suit wins. Well, the strongest suit is not necessarily the suit that was played first. If there are multiple suits played, you look at the council and there's this council board and it's got cubes on it on these different, the different suits, the different bug types. And you can move them around Mancala style in this game. So the person who plays the highest card of the strongest suit wins the trick. And so you get, you get points and you're the leader for the next trick the loser then uh if you play the lowest value card of the lead suit you visit the council and you take a space you grab all the cubes there and then you distribute them in a clockwise fashion and that alters then the strength of the council so it's like constantly changing so you can kind of look and say okay like oh i might be able to pick up tricks later um At the end of your 10 tricks, you've got one card that's left. That's your allegiance to one faction. And you get one point um, per one trick plus one point per cube on your faction. And it's so it's just it's like trick taking game, which I love. But it's also um, got this Mancala thing. And you can kind of push your luck because you can you have this option to claim like no allegiance at the beginning of like a new round. And so you discard a card from your hand and you're like, okay. I'm going to discard this card. And then you want to rend no tricks the whole time. So it's like a, like another way of shooting the moon or whatever. You don't want any tricks. And then you get a bunch of points if you do that. So there's like all these really cool, like traditional trick-taking mechanics. Um, but you've also got this like, hierarchy then of these different bug suits that's just really cool i think it's it's five suits and you get like this, the play it's like a neoprene play mat that also has like score tracking on the outside and then you've got the council on the inside and you can track the ages on it like the artwork is really like subtly cool i really like it there's some really awesome components here and once again i love a good trick-taking game so if any of that sounds interesting to you, you like trick-taking, you like Mancala, you like bugs, check out Bug Council of Backyardia. There are six days left on that Kickstarter, and it's 26 bucks for the base pledge.
1: Everything about this one sounds cool to me. <laughs> like, all of it. Trick-taking, push your luck, Mancala, that's all awesome.
0: I know, and it's, like, pretty short, and I think the replayability is there, and a lot of people I know that aren't super gamers... Um, are are really into trick taking games because we play a lot of cards here in the Midwest. So I would really like to back this one. Jab, jab, wink, wink.
1: I'll find it and I'll hard it. I'm sure you will. I am. I'm doing it right now.
0: So those are my Kickstarters for the week.
1: All right. So let's talk about some games that we played. So we didn't play any games last week because we were on vacation. But we did have some carryover from the week before. So we're going to talk about some of that. So the first game we're going to talk about is, I guess it's a new hotness game. I don't know. My buddy who bought it, bought it. So it must be new hotness because he's new hotness buddy. (laughs) Um, And it is called Meadow. So this is a game. I don't even remember the company. Um, Doesn't matter. I can't remember. Rebel, Rebel Studios. But this is a game where you're basically building a little tableau in front of you of different ground types different types of bugs and creatures and flowers and animals to basically try to score the most points. And the way you're going to get cards is you're going to be doing like an interesting drafting mechanism where you have these little tiles that have a number on them, one through four, and you're going to put them into these slots. Based on where you put the card in the slot is how many cards away from that token you can play in either the row or the column. So if I go to the bottom going up and I play a three, I take three cards in that column from the bottom. And that's the new card in my hand. Then when I take a card, I get to play a card. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build these cards down in my my meadow, and I'm using other cards that I have in my meadow to pay for the card, kind of. So when you play a card, you got to cover up a previous card, so you're going to lose some of the symbols you had before. So you're kind of like taking not-so-good cards to get better cards to try to get higher points. You can also get some landscapes, which are basically like um, one-time cards that you can play if you have some roads, Then you can find things in the landscapes, get more points, put on top of the landscape. And you can also go to the campfire. You're going to be able to activate the bottom of your token, which are going to give you some different abilities and let you score, possibly, if you have a certain pair of icons showing in your meadow. It's a pretty straightforward game. What I said there made it sound way more complicated than it is. But it's a simple tableau game with some really nice art and pretty straightforward gameplay. So I've played this twice now and done a video and this was your first play so what did you think of meadow
0: i really liked it um i actually would like to play this one again um fairly soon before i forget how to play it because it's interesting you can have kind of a strategy but since the cards and the tab that come out in the market essentially like a market um are changing and or they might not the one that you want might not be out there and you're kind of biding your time um i it's i just really am intrigued by it i i like a good tableau builder um i like the choices that you have to make about what remains uncovered so you can use different resources on the cards to allow you to draft other cards um in that way it reminds me of what game was i thinking of oh like seven wonders duel in in that way. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Kind of the little like linking together. Yes.
0: Having those like linking symbols. And I I really like that. And then as it gets further along, it's like, okay, how can I get these big point cards? What, What do I need to do? What do I need to have available? And in some circumstances, you know, I'm like, well, I can't really play this card, but I can still take it. So someone else can't take it and get those points. And so there's lots of different strategy layered in there. And it's just like a cute pretty looking game it's one of those that's deceptively simple to play but has a lot of really difficult decisions and i love that i really enjoyed it
1: yeah same we still have it here so we could play it again sometime maybe good all right so the next game that we played is a tile game so i mean we talked about tile games a little bit earlier and this game is from inside up games and it is called city builder ancient world and this is an interesting game. It can play competitively, cooperatively, and I believe solo. And we played the competitive game. And what Shocking. you're doing in this is you... Yeah, right, because right, I don't want to let co-op. But what you're doing in this is you are taking tiles in your hand, and you're trying to enclose these districts in your city. Well, the reason you're trying to do that is you're trying to get different color landmarks to either get attract nobles from these boards that you're sharing with your neighbors next to you on the right and left to come in to score points at the end of the game or to be able to build monuments that are going to give you some kind of in-game points. So like I could get points for every orange person that I have in my city or whatever. The interesting thing is when you're taking uh, people off of your board, there can come a point where there's only one left in a column and no one can take anymore. So I think there's eight in a, a column If I'm sitting next to Katie and I take seven of them, she can never take any in that row because there has to always be one left in that row. So she doesn't score any points for those, but I'm going to score a whole pile because I cleared out the row. So we're sharing these meeples kind of. It's kind of a race to get them out into your city to score some points and just have the best city. So effectively a tile game with a little bit of interesting stuff in this. So I know you don't love tile games, but what did you think of this one?
0: I do not love tile games. Um, and, and honestly, this is no exception. Like, uh, honestly, my real issue is the fact that it was very difficult to decipher the tiles. There's like this cobblestone. That's, that's true. There's like kind of cobblestone looking like background art or different other things on these different tiles. And you have to be able to see clearly the different buildings and their colors on there. The problem is, and, and, and really, I think they did it in order to make it more visually interesting. But when you make the same color of building in different designs, then it confuses the players on if it is indeed the same building. And also, they have these little tiles that you, if you meet the conditions on the tile, you can take it and put like a monument or something in your city. Well, the colors on those did not match the colors in the tiles. So then I would have to really look closely and I got confused and I couldn't see. It was hard for me to tell when I closed off an area. And again, part of that is my own like spatial stupidity and that I just my brain cannot work that way. Um, But it it was not it was not enjoyable. Um, There are some people that I think love that and love kind of like tangrams or, or making, you know, these different areas fit uh i don't know it just wasn't it was not fun for me yeah
1: i I will say if the graphic design and art might have been a little less busy i think this game would be a little more fun
0: yes my other thing is another way to make this game more fun i do not like that mechanism of having these um like little things between the two of us and it's like a race to complete them
1: oh I like that that was my favorite part of the whole game
0: it was annoying because I was having a hard enough time trying to figure out what the heck was going on with my tiles and now I'm like oh crap you know Brand's taking all of these other stupid things well I can't even tell if I can make one of those things to take one and I, yeah. I don't like that mechanic in any game, really. I want to be able to do my thing and play my tiles to the best of my ability, and then at the end, we total up my points that have nothing to do with how fast you grabbed up your points, but with how well I placed the stuff that I had. That would have made me much happier. But even then, I it would have, been, it was hard for me to figure out what I was doing anyway because I could the tiles were hard to decipher
1: yeah that's true i mean it's not my favorite tile game but i i didn't i i I liked it enough it just was really hard to see things yeah all right and the last game we played actually we played it because our buddy brandon listened to our rerun episode about games that we would play over and over and over if we could and he wanted to play it i don't know if he wanted to play it but he did play it (laughs) And and that game is called the Gallerist. So we played a three-player game in the Gallerist. I'm never going to play four because that's just madness. And if you don't know what the Gallerist is, it's effectively you're running an art gallery. You're trying to discover new artists. You're trying to commission their paintings. Eventually buy their paintings, display them in your museum, uh, maybe sell them. Go um, mingle with the international dignitaries to get some favors. Go try to w- buy some art at the foreign auction get some contracts from fancy people so you can sell them the art and all that kind of thing. It's a a really big euro by VTAL. All the parts are linked together. Uh, You go to one space, it's going to directly relate to another space that you need to go to later. But if someone bumps you out of a space, they also could maybe take an action as well in true VTAL fashion. Um, I still love this game. It's so good. I'm awful at it. I understand how to play the game. (laughs) I I understand the rules completely. I teach it. I know how to play it. I just... I'm not good at getting the money, and that's the point of the game. So this is, I don't know how many times we've played The Gallerist, but its it's been enough. So what did you think about The Gallerist this time?
0: I like The Gallerist. I've always liked The Gallerist. It helps that I win it fairly often, and this is no exception. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, I had, like, $6 for, like, half the game. I was like, what is going on?
0: Well, <laughs> and that's the thing is, is when you play it, I feel like you're making all these actions. You're like, oh, I'm going to go discover this artist first. And, like, you do all these things, and you're, like, pumping up these artists' fame. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Um, but then I just ignore you, and I'm like, I'm going to play my own game. And it usually works out well for me. So I just... Usually
1: whatever I'm doing, you should probably do the opposite <laughs>
0: anyway. <laughs> okay, I just became a painting selling machine. And... <laughs> And I also like to dominate the foreign markets, so that always helps out, too. That's true. Um, but I, one thing I noticed this time that I don't remember before, and maybe it's because we played it two-player a decent amount of times, but keeping track of whose actual turn it is is kind of difficult when you've got these follow turns happening all the time. T- it,
1: almost, it almost needs like an active player marker Yes, thing, I was almost. thinking that.
0: Um, especially when... You know, you've got your own kind of prestige or whatever that you can spend to take another, like, complete core action. So then it looks like a regular turn. But if it's not, it doesn't have to be on your actual turn. And I'm like, oh, crap. Whose actual yeah. turn was that? Um, It's just a another thing where you're like, Oop, okay, no, that wasn't really my turn. It was really your turn. And I just did this thing.
1: I guess sometimes you'll take that whole action and then it'll be your turn again.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Which I think is a cool thing. Um, but it can get a little confusing sometimes, but I love it. I actually love, you know, tools artwork on that one. Um, I think it's a cool theme that doesn't happen very often. Um, and it is kind of a complex, lots of moving parts kind of game, but it's good. It's real good.
1: Yeah. The more I play this one, I, I, I honestly think it might be my favorite one. It it feels smoother than all the rest of them. Uh I I, kind of like that. I knew it. All right. Well, that's three of the games we played a few weeks ago. So let's get moving on to the feature.
0: Our feature for this week, I'm not sure if we haven't already talked about this or we've talked about it in other fashions. Maybe we just mention it every time we play a game. Um, But we want to talk about our favorite game mechanisms. So if you are new to board gaming, you'll hear us throw around things like engine builder, um, uh, worker placements, uh, pusher luck, um, tile laying, all those kinds of things. Um, those are all different kind of mechanisms, things that make up the play of the game. And there are things that people really love like area control, that I really hate. But that's a favorite game mechanism. But instead of talking about the game mechanisms we hate, we're going to talk about the game mechanisms that we love. Ooh, maybe next week we'll do game mechanisms we hate. Ooh, that could be good. Yeah, hey, there we go. Look at us. Look oh, at us. Oh, my gosh. It's like we, we run the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mentioned even, I've already mentioned in this episode, several mechanisms mechanisms that I do enjoy. Um, so we each have three that are, i as I put together my list, I'm like, yeah, yeah, these are definitely my favorites. Except there was one that I wanted to do, but Jason wouldn't let me. Well, I let—I didn't say that. You said, no, that's not a game mechanism.
1: Oh, yeah, that, that one, yes. I thought you meant like the ones we talked about in the car that all went together. No, no. No, no, yeah, the one I, I vetoed that. It sorry. totally is. You're wrong. Fine, talk about it and see if people agree with you.
0: No, you talk first.
1: Alright, so um, the first one I want to talk about Is a mechanism that the more I play it The more I really like it It's so fun to me it it, It gets me kind of anxious when I'm playing these games And I like it quite a bit And that is push your luck So push your luck if you don't know what that is It's where you're trying to, I don't know, roll some dice Flip some cards To try to make it as far as you can Without a certain thing happening That causes you to bust and lose all the progress That you made in that turn so like if I need to roll, like Blackjack for example. You're playing Blackjack, you're trying to get as close to 21 or 221 without going over. That's kind of a push your luck deal. Um, but the me- in these other games, not Blackjack, but hobby games that we like to play, some of my favorites my ma- my favorite one probably is Quacks of Quedlinburg. You're pulling chits out of a bag, trying not to get your pot over a certain number of white. If you get too many white chips, your pot will explode and bad things happen. Um, ink and Gold, which we don't have anymore, but I played it quite a bit. You're trying to get as far as you can into this cave without meeting too many of the same kind of baddie. And if that happens, you lose all the money that you earned. And Katie added this one to the list because I didn't think about it. But No Thanks is kind of a push-your-luck game where you're trying to get as low a number of cards that you can from this pile, but you're putting chips out there onto the card when you want to pass over it. But eventually, you're going to be running out of chips and you may have to take a card. So you're kind of like, uh, you know you may pass over a card that's not awful, hoping that you can get a better one, but then you may get stuck with it anyway. So just that kind of thing. I really like Push Your Luck. It's fun. It's tense. And I'll never turn down playing a Push Your Luck game.
0: Yeah, I, there are more. because I feel like we like this mechanic a lot.
1: Yeah, you yeah I was looking around. Yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. I,
0: I I do like it. I don't want to say it's one of my favorites, but it's good. It, it ups the the like almost investment. It has that kind of gambling addiction without actually gambling feel.
1: Right. You're you're definitely gonna have more fun as a group playing a push your luck game than you are playing like a gallerist. Like there's gonna be more like it's gonna be louder when you're playing a push-your luck game for sure.
0: Yeah, the intensity definitely is Yeah. Is up. Um, my favorite my first favorite mechanism, and i talk about this all the time, and that is engine building. I love it when you can put you know, cards together or tiles together. Um, and this is kind of how Enjimili works, that play off of each other. So I may play a card that allows me to get a certain resource. And I have another one that says, whenever I get that resource, I can get this kind of point. And then I have another card that says, if I get this kind of point, I can move on this track. And if I move on this, on this track, it's going to give me this uh, new resource. Oh, I love it when you can chain stuff together. And like you take one simple turn, and but it ends up you know lasting like Jason calls me my like, what do you call them my like forever I forget what you call them
1: my, twenty minute turns my
0: twenty minute turns, but I I love that because especially in games there are some games where you don't get that many turns you are on a limited set of rounds or um, you know until certain resources run out and you. Engine building is where you make the most out of it. One game where I I don't know if you're supposed to be an engine builder in it, but I always play Coinbur as an engine builder. The cards I draft are not only going to give me something when I draft them, but I'm going to then make future choices that will allow that card to fire again and again and again so I keep getting more things, more bang for my buck. It just makes sense to me. So I'm going to draft a card that's going to, you know, maybe give me money. But then it's going to say, oh, every time you draft or you play an orange die, you get to move up on the green track or you move up on the orange track or whatever. I'm like, excellent. So not only when I drafted car, another card that does something else for me, because I did it with an orange die, I get to move up on this other track that's totally unrelated to what I'm doing here. So I don't have to worry about every card has to be all these different tracks. I'm going to use the same cards but that allowed me to do all the things, and that's just the beauty of it. Oh, I love it! Wingspan's the same way. I love that. I hate birds. Sorry, bird people. Sorry, you can love birds, I just don't trust your judgment. Um, but you play a bird, and yeah, when I play it, it's gonna give me something. But then when I choose that future action, I'm gonna be able to get eggs, and I'm gonna be able to tuck a card for points, and then I'm gonna be able to cash some food, and then I'm gonna be able to give everyone like a bonus resource. That is awesome. So my one turn accomplishes four or five goals that would take me four or five turns, but since I've built a beautiful engine where parts and pieces all work together, and where the output is greater than the input, oh, yeah, that is a good game for me. So, my first favorite mechanism, engine building.
1: Yeah, I like this mechanism. I'm just terrible at it. But, I mean, that should go without saying. I'm terrible at all these, but whatever. That's not true. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right at your Luck. But, again, that's a lot of randomness and luck. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the next one I have is actually... Uh, I mean, it's like worker placement, sort of. But I'm I like dice, so we're gonna use we're gonna go with dice placement for this one. And this is basically where you're gonna take a die, you may roll it, get a value, or just put a die out there on the face that you want to a spot, and then do the do the action. It's like worker placement, except you're gonna be using dice that adds a little bit of randomness. Um, and some games that I picked for this is a Stone game called Euphoria, which you're rolling the dice, and the value of the dice is like how powerful that action the worker is, and then you send it out to a space. Do the thing. Um, Kingsport Festival, which is the Cthulhu version of Kingsburg, you're rolling some dice and you're using the values of either one, two, or all three of the dice to activate an elder god to get some resources, some special cards to help you defeat defeat the investigators. And the third one that Katie added, because I apparently can't think of anything on my own, uh, (laughs) is Marco Polo. So you're going to roll the dice. You're going to have some values. You're going to send single dice, pairs of dice, three dice out to a location. And based on the value, you may get to move a certain amount of spaces. You may get a certain amount of money. You may have to put a higher die than someone else puts to be able to take an action. So it's that kind of thing. Just worker placement, but the dice values usually play into it. So you're sometimes limited by what you roll and all that kind of thing. So dice placement, my second one.
0: Yes, I, I like dice placement. And it's not that you can't think of anything on your own. It's just we're better together than we are apart.
1: That's true. We go from pretty okay to good.
0: We go from okay to pretty okay?
1: Yeah, you bring in the pretty. I'm just okay. (laughs) Sure.
0: Uh, My next one actually, in my mind, goes along with my engine building. And that is deck building. Because to me, when deck building sings is when you turn those cards into an engine and it runs smooth. So deck building is where... You generally start with some not so great cards and then you use those cards to gain better cards, which allow you to take actions where you can draw more cards, where you can do more things, buy better cards. This again is where the 20 minute Katie turn is in play because I love it when I can pull up a hand, you know, five cards, pretty standard in a deck builder. You play that hand, you're like, oh, draw two more cards. Okay. oh, Okay. Well, this card allows me to you know, uh, get a card for free for the market. Excellent. Oh, okay. Well, this card allows me to get extra buying power if I have this type of card with me. And I do. And they're just chaining off of each other. So you've got an engine and you've got this deck that's built to work together. Oh, when that synergy happens, it's magical, which is weird. Like, I feel like this is like an engineering kind of thing, but my brain does not work that way. But it does in board games. So. I, I, we talk about some of my favorite deck builders because I love deck builders. The ICP deck building, or the ICP deck building game. Oh my, like it's ridiculous how good that game is. Whether you're down with the clown or not, like
1: it's so good, so good.
0: The synergy between cards is excellent, and it's not just it's allowing you to do some other things where you're trying to buy like these epic cards, but you're also you want to balance that with getting. Just the regular type of cards and cards that allow you to roll dice, cards that allow you to draw special like one-time usage cards that don't even go into your deck. Good stuff happens there. I've had some excellent 20-minute turns. Tanto Quare.
1: Every turn in ICP is a 20-minute turn for you.
0: It's not. The first couple hands, I really got to build up my deck. Then went, then, and then I'm off to the races. Like, it's just so good. What can I say? The Juggalos love me. Tanto Quare. Uh, Tanto Also, the slutty maids love me because that is a good game, too. Once you can get some great combos with the maids um, and that one has like a nice balance between being able to play cards because you have to have certain types of cards that allow you to even take other actions, play other cards, as well as being able to um, put cards into like your Personal quarters, so they count for different types of points. A lot of different things going on there. And uh, Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts, whew, a thematic deck builder. Yes, yes, yes. I love that too. Like, I think that is vital. That's why I really, and then we were talking about this in another chat. I really don't like Dominion. I think that game is awful because it is so devoid of any kind of theme they're like, well, what's the point in this? Like, yeah, okay, oh, I'm collecting all these cards. Oh, I'm going to pick this land type. Um, I would much rather play something like a Heart of Crown, which has sort of similar type things. You are collecting cards to then buy land types and then back princesses, but that theme is there that helps you make sense and ties it all together well. And so it's not pointless, Um And again, like having those combos in Battle for Hogwarts where you're able to give other people items, where you're able to pull out extra items of your deck, where you're able to maybe roll the house die, um, where you're able to defeat a villain that gives you a special power that allows you to do other things. Ooh, yeah. That's good for me. So deck building, definitely one of my favorite game mechanisms.
1: Oh, yeah. I I like it quite a bit. And the more I play it, the more I like it. It's a good one. All right. So the last one I'm going to talk about, I actually changed up while we were sitting here. Doing our thing. I had resource management down, but I realized I like this one a little bit better, and that is pick up and deliver. Um, so, picking up and delivering is, is exactly what it sounds like. You're going to go to a spot on the board or map, whatever, pick up a thing, usually like wheat or spices or something. You're going to bring that spice back to a port or where you started from, and you're either going to get points, you're going to sell it, or you're going to turn it into like fulfill a contract, that kind of thing. So, I'm going to the store, I'm buying some meat, I'm bringing the meat home. We're going to cook the meat, that kind of thing. Um, So a a couple of the games that I really enjoy in this genre is Tricky Tides, which is effectively a trick-taking pick-up-and-deliver game, but the trick-taking just tells you which way you can move your ship and all that kind of thing. You're still going out to the island. You're picking up these cubes. You're bringing the cubes back to other islands that need those specific colors of cubes, and you're turning them in. So you're going from one island to get some cards to another island. So you're delivering in different locations, but still kind of the same thing. Um, Black Fleet which is a pirate game. Pirate games work well for pick up and deliver for some reason. And what you're doing in this one is you are going to some um, ports. You're picking up some goods. I think there's tobacco, monkeys, I don't know, a whole bunch of different kinds of things. Like tea and stuff. you're, You're picking up the cubes, putting them in your boat. You're going across the water to deliver them to another port because where you pick the stuff up from, you can't deliver, which makes sense. So I pick up at this port. I'm going to another one to deliver to score some points, get some money. And then Mercator which is an Uwe Rosenberg game, um, probably the deepest one on this list, and it is it functions a little differently. Everyone's sharing a pawn. You can move the pawn wherever you want to, but the tricky thing is when you go to a location, you're going to get some cubes, and the cubes are representative of two different types of goods. There's usually like a a textile good and some kind of like food good. The tricky part here is when you go to the location to pick up goods, you can also complete a contract. The issue here is you never have the contracts of the places where you need to go to get the cubes to fulfill the contracts. So this whole time you're moving around all around the board, going wherever you want, trying to pick up the cubes that you need, get them in your storage. And then eventually, hopefully either you or an opponent goes to someplace and you can pay back and de- deliver your stuff. It is all, like, it burns your brain. It's so hard to make deliveries in this game, but when you do, it feels good because it's difficult. But so my last one, pick up and deliver.
0: I like Pick Up and Deliver. I don't mind it. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. But I do like all those games that you mentioned. So I guess I must like it. Yep. My last one is a mechanism that not many people like, or at least not many people that I ever play with like. And that is deduction. Whether it's social deduction or just straight up deduction, um, which is where you're trying to figure something out and there is hidden information. And so you're using clues in whatever form they come to try and determine that hidden information. And so this happens um, either in a social deduction setting where you're trying to figure out what different roles people are playing. So in a secret Hitler, let's say, or a deception um, murder in Hong Kong, like who is the bad guy? What kind of motives are happening? Like you know, and those games both function differently, but you're trying to figure out what roles people are playing, and they're acting a part or um, making choices in certain ways that will that are clues to help you figure out what their part is. Um, and then there's also straight up deduction, which is like your old fashioned clue. But I like Mister the Abbey better, which is where you know one of the brothers at the monastery has been killed, and you are trying to. Whittle down um, the monks that are not it to find the person who is the killer. And so it's a lot of, okay, does he have a beard? Does he not have a beard? And you're trying to deduce from the what you know who the bad guy is. Um, Awkward Gus is also along that similar vein, much like Clue as well. Who is the murderer? You know, what's the weapon? You know, where did it happen? Oh, I think you know where it happened. If they had an accomplice, I think is the other thing and some awkward guests. Um, and then there's even consulting detective, which is where obviously I've talked about this many times. You are acting like Sherlock Holmes, going through, finding information, drawing on what you know, what you learn to deduce, to figure out the solution to the crime or the problem. I love deduction I don't know why it's brain-burning, but it's something even as a as a kid, I played around with a lot. We did this thing called mind benders in a class I was in where it was one of those like problems like, oh, there are five s- s- children and they each have a different pet. And then you get clues to try and figure out who's what pet. Like none of the girls have a pet that has feathers or whatever. I've just always been drawn to them and I like to see it in my board games. So deduction is my last favorite game mechanism
1: yeah i, I like deduction somewhat i i'm not ever going to pick it off the shelf to play by myself but <laughs> well now that you that, understand
0: it, how to use deduction i think it's going better for you
1: <laughs> that's true it was rough it, like i'm i was awful i couldn't even play clue no idea it was bad
0: i just don't think anyone showed you like we i remember the first time we played first couple times we played clue jason's like well how did you know that he's like you didn't ask every single person about it i said you don't have to honey <laughs> like i said every time i ask about two things i don't know or two things i do know and one thing i don't to try and narrow down what it is he's like oh light bulb happened yeah. and since then no idea. you've been very competitive in deduction games since then
1: i've won clue a couple times yeah. and i think i've won mr the abbey too
0: i think you have as well
1: yeah I just don't love it. I, I can do it now. I just don't love it.
0: So there you have it. My three favorite mechanisms are engine building, deck building, and deduction.
1: And my three favorite are, well, my three favorite today are push your <laughs> luck, dice placement, and pick up and deliver.
0: So what about you guys? What are your favorite game mechanisms? I told Jason that one of my favorite game mechanisms was end um, end of game goals, like secret goals and like goal cards and he told me that wasn't a mechanism but not every game has that and i like it when games have that because then like i can work on you know the present goals but i'm also secretly working towards my end of game goals so that i can like jump in with like 20 points and try to take the win even though it looks like i'm losing the whole time
1: yeah that's how you win every time it's annoying
0: i like it it's fun but he said that wasn't a game mechanism
1: I'll happily be wrong. It just doesn't feel like a mechanism to me.
0: I want to know what you guys think. So tell us um, if you found us on Facebook where we post, hey, this new episode, comment there. If you're not part of our Facebook group, Hashtag The Riveted. Oh, oh, we just had a new member and I should have done Fickle Favorite, but he won't catch up he's on episode one so i don't know that he will catch up anytime soon
1: oh yeah that's true he's got a bit
0: <laughs> but um i want to make sure that i didn't forget um and that i said welcome to aaron Rebelow, who is our newest member of the riveted and who also posted
1: yeah he commented yep
0: you were my fickle favorite for this week thanks man even though you don't know who i am yet you will <laughs> and then you may stop liking us so there there there's that <laughs>
1: After after Joel leaves, he just stops listening and he'll never ever hear this.
0: I'm sure there are plenty of people that have done that and I don't blame them. (laughs) According to that man on YouTube, I am annoying and it's true.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's annoying.
0: Yeah.
1: It's okay. It's pretty You don't know it was a you don't know it was a guy. I mean it probably was a guy, but we don't know that for
0: sure. (laughs) I guess you're right. Probably more women find me annoying than men, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, this is not about my popularity, but just I'm glad there's more people joining the Riveted. It's a great Facebook group. Um, We talk about games. We share fun game stuff and memes. And um, I love seeing everyone's pictures and um, good finds. And I, I just think that's great. If you're really big at pictures, Instagram that's that's a good uh, platform for pictures. So you can find us there. Share your pictures of the games that you're playing or pictures of games that have your favorite game mechanisms. That would be awesome. Or you can uh, tweet us. Apparently, we're um, moving up in the world of Twitter almost to like 1,000 followers or something.
1: Almost to 1,000. Yeah, that'd be sweet to get 1,000.
0: That would be sweet. So retweet us. Tweet your favorite game mechanisms and put your best hashtag game on that so that we know about it. Um, I don't understand the Twitters, but you young bucks do. So go for it. Also, of course, there's our YouTube um, channel. I know several of you actually listen to us via YouTube because that's easier and that's great. So comment there. Um, I don't see the comments. Jason reads them to me, but I do. I do get them. So thank you um, for commenting. Uh, my darling husband is always putting out new content because he's so awesome at that. And I, I've been reading a book called The Four Tendencies, and there's Upholders, Obligers, Questioners, and Rebels, and it's all about what motivates you, and I'm not motivated to do anything from external expectations or internal expectations, and I thought that wasn't true until I realized, yeah, that is true, because I'm like, uh, I don't really want to make a video, and Jason does it anyway, because he's just so good. He's not a rebel like me, apparently. <laughs> That's what
1: that's I mean what, if anybody knows me they would know that's true.
0: <laughs> He's so good at the at the channel and I keep thinking I got to make more videos and then I just don't. I'm sorry guys, but I figure no one wants to see my face in more videos so that's why I don't do it. Um, but definitely comment on YouTube tell us what your favorite mechanism are in the comments there. You can always I don't know DM us or something. Anything we just love to hear from you guys, and I, I'm really interested in your favorite game mechanisms because I know that mine are very specific. And also, I don't know that I have a handle on all the game mechanisms that are out there, and so I'd love to hear about yours.
1: Yeah, I agree. And as always, check out our friends over at Board Game—I Bo- can't remember the name—Board Game Rundown. Such good friends. Good job. Um, <laughs> and they—they they do a weekly show video podcast thing but there's also audio now if you want to check it out there they've been doing some cool interviews with designers and publishers if you're into that and they're a pretty good channel so go give them some love they just hit 500 subs and that's amazing
0: cool yeah and if you'd like to subscribe to our youtube channel do that tell your friends um or don't that's okay we're just call a buddy bring a friend this is not bill goodman's gonna knife show and nobody outside of like ohio has knows about that i don't think probably not And now I've got that whole advertisement (laughs) stuck in my head. You're welcome. (laughs) Also, if there are topics that you'd like us to talk about on the podcast, we are more than open to suggestions. The well sometimes runs dry of creativity here. And so, um, I mean, we could always repeat stuff. I just sometimes often don't remember if I repeated it or not.
1: Today may have been a repeat. We'll find out.
0: (laughs) We'll find out. I'm sure you'll tell us. (laughs) I I think we've gotten long enough on this potential duplicate topic. Yeah, I would agree. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody.
1: Keep gaming.
0: Bill Goodman's Gun and Knife Show. Call a buddy. Bring a friend.